this is Dawn Schuler, Certified Trainer and Business Consultant at the Schuler Group with the People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. And today I'm delighted to be here with an old friend, meaning we've been friends for a long time, Rob Neely of Successful Messages. So Rob, I'm thrilled to have you on my podcast today. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Dawn. It is a pleasure. Great, great. One of the reasons why um, I wanted to you know, you to be on, uh, you know, on this interview, on this, on this podcast is because, well, you and I have always been talking about communication for, for years. And then when we started talking about my podcast and the things that I cover and some of your experiences and the things that, uh, where you come down on communication, you had some really interesting insights. And so I just want to start and then we'll see where it goes. That work for you? That sounds super. Yeah, let's go. All right. One of the things that you I mentioned was active listening without filters. And that's four words, but there's a lot to unpack in those four words. So say a lot about what you mean by that, please. Um, I will preface this by saying I was a college professor for over 25 years. And I kind of stepped away from that uh, last fall, although I can't completely get away from being an educator, but that's fine, you know, part of my calling. Uh, so all my students uh, were roughly between the ages of 18 and 22, uh, except for some mature, mature students, second career folks. Um, so for my younger students, um, most of them didn't understand active listening, what I call active listening. Um, most of them had phone in hand. So, so that's start there. Uh, so most had phone in hand and their attention span was sometimes in sound bites. And, and that's how a lot of us communicate today. You know, it's almost like one liners. Uh, it's like, give me a headline and I will magically absorb everything you know, from that headline. So if I could get my students' attention, uh, it might only be for a minute or two, and then they'd be compelled to glance at their phone because something was obviously more important than their prof, right? Uh, so that's, that's kind of the active listening part. And then something came from an industry uh, I used to be in, and I don't know if you want me to say anything about your involvement in this old industry. So the industry's virtual yeah. assistance. And uh, I'm still kind of uh, peripherally involved in that. And one of the people uh, at the place where I trained, which was Assist You, uh, as you know, um, talked about what she called full face listening. Mm -hmm. And I, I've used that for a long time uh, when I talk to my students. This is what active listening is. It's looking at the person that's talking to you and engaging them and committing for the briefest of time to a conversation with that person solely. And so uh, my students had a hard time doing that. And um, aside from cultural differences, which, which were there, I understand some cultures don't want to, to look at their professor. Uh, it's a sign of respect, not, not a sign of anything else that I could tell. Um, the college I taught for uh, was hugely multicultural. Um, and Toronto's hugely multicultural with, you know, 90, 100 different cultures here. So I'm quite used to that. It was, it was a, a career widening experience for me. So 
So A, sort of to return full circle, they wouldn't listen actively. And then B, there was the filter part. So what's the filter part? And, and, and I'll bet you can just imagine this and please jump in if you need to. 19 year old students and me. <laughs> and so that was one of the major obstacles. Um, there was some, some gender obstacles from time to time, oddly enough. Um, but the major obstacle was age. And, and so if they listened to me, it was like they automatically filtered, uh, sorry, put on some filters when they were going to listen to me. I'm their professor. So insofar as I'm their professor, I have some limited importance. Not going to last long. You know, for these folks, a couple of years at most. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't see them over the full two years because I was constantly being reassigned new courses and, and new levels of admission. So it changed rapidly, dynamically, three times a year. Um, so their filter said, here's one of my professors. He's important. Um, I have to do what he says. And that was not what I intended. I was just giving advice and, you know, trying to be sage-like, if that was even possible. Uh, so they already put a filter on the fact that I was a professor. Now, some people added another filter. I was an authority figure. And so I kind of actually resented that, to be quite honest. It's not that I denied it. It's more like I didn't want to be in that position. I'm not a police, a police officer, you know? I, I'm not a godlike figure. I'm just a person standing at the front of the room. Um, and consensus reality says I'm supposed to be there. And my employer says I'm supposed to be there. And so the students, whether or not they knew I was supposed to be there, because I'm sure some thought I wasn't. But for most of them who thought I was supposed to be there, it's like, well, of course. You know, he's the person. He's got knowledge. He's got information. Third filter, perhaps. And they just kept piling on. So we got an age filter, an authoritarian filter, uh, perhaps a he's a god of technology or a god of business writing filter. And so through all those filters, I don't know in a lot of cases how my messages even got through. So if I understand correctly, what you're saying is, so there's active listening, which is that, um, like you said, listening with your full face. And I think, um, the story that I told was this, you know, little girl whose daddy comes home and she's talking to him and he's, you know, reading the paper and nowadays might be the phone and she grabs his face and looks at him and says, daddy, listen to me with your full face. Um, and, and I think I've done, I've probably done that, you know, with various people, um, probably more, you know, more of the people in my inner circle. I'm not going to do that on the street. Like, Hey, I want your full face. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that, but then it sounds like, if I'm understanding you correctly, that those filters that people may have could get in the way of active listening. A hundred percent. You've nailed it for sure. Um, there were active listeners, and here's an interesting thought without trying to do any profiling at all. It's just a fact. The most active listeners without filters were my international students. Hmm. English as a second or third language. Most interested in what I had to say, most likely to follow through. 
Um, now, there, there's a side fact that they would be paying three times the bill for the same course as, as residents, so to speak. Um, and I'm not sure that was it at all. So they had built-in respect. So look at filters on the opposite end of the spectrum. They had built-in respect filter, uh, built-in attention filter. Uh, and some of them, well, you know, what a professor said, a professor was a respected person, mm -hmm. built-in respect filter. Um, so, so yeah, there are, there are two things in, in those four words. There's the active listening part and uh, can we do it? Can we agree to commit for the briefest of time? Uh, whether it's a minute or a few seconds or a few minutes to saying, I am really into this. And no matter what your gender, race, age, uh, predilections, interests, you know, no matter what those things are, I want to hear a fuller message. And the only way I can hear that fuller message is through active listening without bias, without filters. So I'm curious, Rob, did you bring that up in your classrooms? Yes. And did I you did. talk about all of it? Like, so let, let me define active listening. And by the way, you may have a filter, age being one of them, you know, authority figure. Did you address that as well? I addressed a lot of it. I addressed a lot of it. And, and actually, you know, I have two, two career paths I was on for quite some time. Um, for a while, I was just teaching part time. And then I got into daytime teaching. So before I got into daytime teaching uh, in the certificate and degree programs, um, I was working in corporate Canada. And I was working as an administrative assistant, an executive assistant, a communication specialist, an IT person. So I had over 20 years of corporate Canada as well. And uh, it's, these things are such great training grounds. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I know I don't have to tell you what it's like to deal with attitude mm -hmm. or personality or, or to be stuck in the middle when somebody says to you, like in corporate Canada, you know, you're my right-hand guy. You know, never left-hand guy, by the way. That's all. <laughs> you know, you're my right-hand person. You are the troops. You're the face of the organization. You run interference for me. And I heard that a number of times from my bosses because I worked for vice presidents and presidents and CEOs. And it's like, you know, you run interference for me. You tell me what people are allowed to come into my office kind of thing. And so it's a fantastic training ground. These two worlds, uh, the corporate world and the education world taught me a lot about uh, listening and paying attention and taught me a lot about trying to read between the lines, which I don't think corporate culture should try to make you do that. You know, my ESP is not 100%. <laughs> well, and what I found is that in general, whether we're talking about um, corporates, where we're talking about academia, or even we're mm -hmm. talking about personal relationships, that, and I feel like this is something that society has, for whatever reason, affected us this way is we don't tend to be direct. We don't mm. tend to act, ask the direct question or, or even to say, I'm not clear about that. Can you say more? Can you, um, no, I don't know. I just, even those, there's a lot of, I think, I believe maybe people don't take a stand. And, and I think it's because I can remember 
being, you know, younger teenager, and that could have been the problem right there, is, you know, I felt like if I said, I don't know, I've never heard of that, or I'm not sure what that is, it would make me look like an idiot, or it would make me, people would look down on me for not knowing. So I didn't feel like I could ever say, I don't know. And now I'm going to be truthful and honest. You know, someone said they got a Pelotan, Pelotran, something bike. And I'm like, I don't, or no, they just said, I got a Pelotan. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And she looked at me like I had two heads and that's, you know, it's, it's an exercise bike. And all of you who are listening and going, this is how you say it and you've never heard of it. And you're, you're thinking I've got two heads, but I have no problem saying, I don't know what that is. I've not heard of that. that and that's a form of directness. And, you know, why is that so drilled into us of, you know, and there's so many layers to that. I can't say I don't know. I can't give a straight answer. I can't stand for something because, ooh, what if I'm wrong? Or I, I want to I want to sit on the fence so that I can decide to tumble off on the one side or the other, depending on how the how the wind blows. And you know, I think we're afraid to be wrong. So there's a, we're afraid of not knowing because of what other people will think. We're afraid of being wrong, probably because of what other people will think. And so I think our communications, and I just said it, I think our communication tends to be broad and general and somewhat generic because we're too afraid to, to, to be direct and say, this is what it is. You don't have to say, in my opinion, because I'm saying it, therefore it's an opinion, unless I'm obviously stating facts, facts like in 1876, such and such and such and such. So any, any thoughts about that, that place that now we've suddenly found ourselves talking about? So is this part one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this may be part one. And then there's plenty. Like I said, we're going to go wherever we go yeah. um, because that's the, it, it's organic. And it's, this, is, this sure. conversation is a living thing along with obviously our complexness our complexity as mm-hmm. human so so yes if there's anything you'd like to add to the the not being direct and therefore we are required or if we want to be successful we have to learn to read between the lines so what would you like to add to that yeah there are a bunch of things i could say i i, I i'm thinking about the mystery of of corporate lingo corporate speak as I call it, I'm not quite fond of it anyway, uh, but I'm thinking about the lingo of, of corporates speak. And um, my ex-wife once came to me, uh, she worked in not-for-profit for a long time, different sectors, and once uh, came home and said, oh, we had a meeting and we talked about low-hanging fruit. Now, I had no freaking idea <laughs> what this meant. You know, I'm picturing myself in an orchard somewhere you know, grabbing an apple down out of a tree or whatever. Anyway, so she explained that. And then she gave me like another 10 uh, sayings like that. I, being the person I am, took them to my classes. And what I did for a while was I put them up on the whiteboard. And I said, does anybody want to tell me what they think this means? (laughs) And we had a jolly old time because almost no one knew anything. Interesting. And I said, well, this is corporate speak. You know, you're, you're going to run into some of this. 
And, you know, don't be afraid to say just what you said, Don. Don't be afraid to say, what do you mean by that? You know, and then I'm thinking of another example way back when, when I was just a, a tiny little employee, just a young little tiny employee. And um, somebody said to me, mysteriously, uh, be flexible. And it's like, you know, I was doing my job. Uh, I, I won't, don't particularly want to say what that job was. It won't sound corporate at all, but I was doing my job. And uh, there was a chance that I would be notched up a level, become one of the elite people doing this job. And I was just a little young thing. And um, my boss said to me, just stay flexible. And I thought, oh, okay. I have no idea what you mean. Um, anyway, so, you know, a couple of three weeks went by and I got notched up in my job. Apparently I was flexible. So <laughs> we, tend, we tend to dance around things. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not exactly what you were saying. And then add on top of that, and there is something to this, the Canadian scene. So in the Canadian scene, um, Canadians are, we're not all polite things. Uh, <laughs> I can be rude. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so we're not all polite things, but we do tend to go overboard on the polite stuff. And when we do that, we sometimes circle in on a point. And it might take us so long uh, to circle or spiral in to the point that we never get to the point. Or by the time we get close to the point, somebody's checked out. Mm -hmm. And so not interested anymore. And so that kind of gets to the soundbite thing that we were talking about earlier. You know, give them the soundbite. And they'll be happy with that, even if they have the most minuscule understanding of what you're talking about. The soundbite might be enough for them. Yes. So one of the things that um, you and I actually haven't shared with you, because whenever we've been talking lately, we've gone all sorts of other directions and it just hasn't come up. But one of the tools that we mm -hmm. use at the Shula Group is something called Bank Code. And it's a, it's a quick personality assessment for personality types. And, and you're not just one, you're all four, but what, um, you know, in what order are you, are you this particular bank code? And so one of them, and it stands for blueprint, action, nurturing, knowledge. Those are the four personalities. Mm -hmm. And so the, the knowledges, the K's, their currency is information and data, and they want all that information, right? Their opposites in, in, in that realm are the actions. The actions don't have time. They want, they just, just tell me what I need to know quickly. Da, 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 da. So you can see even from a personality standpoint and mm -hmm. the, you know, the different personalities mm -hmm. want different communications. Yep. And, and we tend to, of course, communicate from our primary, you know, first or second code using this system. And we tend not to, think about or even be conscious of one, that we're not speaking in the other codes, and two, that the person to whom we're speaking could be completely different from you. Um, my husband, Mark, is a very high K. He's a high knowledge, and I suspect you are too, actually. Um, and that's actually my lowest um, code in, you know, when I take the assessment. And so Mark will do this thing. And my daughter, my older daughter is a high K. They both do this thing where if they're going to tell a story 
and they have to give in all these details. Oh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I had to leave at nine o'clock and you know, I woke up late that, that morning. And so I didn't actually get to leave at nine. And, and there's all this information. It's like, what is the point? <laughs> I, do, I don't need to know that. So, and it's not necessarily the sound bite that I, or the headline that I'm wanting. It's the, what is the purpose? Like, what, what is it that you're wanting me to get from what you're telling me? Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of times, and not just whether you're a high knowledge or one of the other codes, I don't think we always think about what is the, the point that I'm trying to get across or what, what's the outcome that I want them to leave with. And why am I telling this story? What, what am I hoping that the other person gets out of it? It just, there's a thought, a concept, somebody says something, we can riff off of it, but do we really understand why we're even bringing that up? But you just hit on so many points that are so relevant to me. Um, if I was to say there's an underscoring or overarching point, it would be your audience. Um, this is something I talk to my students about all the time and something I ran into in corporate Canada. So. You know, I can give you two, two quick examples of that. I didn't understand what a top level view was or a top level summary until I went through various jobs in corporate Canada. Um, and I, re I remember one of my bosses was patient to a point and then he wasn't anymore. <laughs> uh, because I go in and, and I'd be like one of those uh, uh, people that tell a story you know, wow, 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 your managers are this and that. I can't manage all this. And this is a real problem. And I also have this issue. And he sort of stopped me and he said, tell me what your solution is. And it's like, oh, you want me to think, of course, uh, but also not come to you with problems. And that's what he said. Don't come to me with problems. And so that rewired my brain from that point forward, understanding um, I was his audience, he was my audience, and we established a communications protocol. And that's kind of what we're talking about. What's the protocol? Protocols based on your audience. Mm -hmm. you know, and of course, the topic or topics that you need to convey, deliver. Uh, and so I ran into that a lot in class too. I learned many, many years ago, I took a workshop on the six different ways of learning or so, there's probably more. And that meant six different ways of teaching. Mm -hmm. And so if I was making a point, whether it was about how to write a business letter or uh, how to use a piece of technology, I'd have to make sure I demonstrated my point in several ways. Couldn't do it simultaneously, but pretty close. So that the visual people in the room got it. The auditory people got it. Uh, the hands-on people got it. And so I think that's part of what we're talking about. You know, who's your audience? And I used to say that to my students all the time. Well, there are 30 of you in this classroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to say 30 different people, of course, but um, five or six different learning styles. So all you need to know is one person, me. <laughs> I need to know how 30 of you operate. Um, so it, it was a real, uh, what would they say, Petri dish? I don't know something like that it's in one of um one of my other episodes it was with one of our collaborative partners and we were talking about 
actually we were talking about remote workers and but we were talking it about it from a place of how do you manage the remote workers and that same thing you know what if what if your workers they're somewhere on that spectrum of they need a lot of guidance or the other end where they just leave them alone they're going to get it done and as a manager you have to understand what they need and the mm -hmm. the best way to to give that to them so it's not here's my style and this is how i'm doing it my belief of a good great leader or manager is being able to assess that what's their personality type what's how do they process the world how do they learn how um how do they best like to communicate not just with the, the language but even in the the platform and and you and a not just a good leader or a good manager but i think as a good communicator you have to float in and out of all of those things and it's hard to keep them all okay wait a minute so what's his bank code and what's his learning style and does he prefer text or Facebook message or email or phone? It's, it's hard to keep all that conscious, but the more practice you get, then hopefully it becomes a little more natural and you can do it somewhat unconsciously. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. You know, students would come to see me if they were serious if they were failing and they were serious, let me put it that way. Uh, they, they come to see me and I just get them to talk so I could get a read on them. And think, okay, this is how I need to convey to you uh, what you're asking me, which might be very different from how I would convey it to another student. So I got used to that. Um, you're such a great communicator to me, you've always been the facilitator level communicator. Thank and you. to me, that's the top of the game. To me, that's the top of the game. If you can facilitate, uh, then you're allowing people to absorb and to learn. I think it's a great thing. Absolutely, and one of the, I mean, you've probably seen it in you know, your realms, but emotional intelligence is, is now you know, the, the key you know, buzz phrase. And it's been around, but now all of a sudden it's for whatever reason getting getting a lot of notice. And the four components to that are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. And that's really what we're talking about in improving your communication. But it's the more mature you are emotionally, the emotional intelligence piece, and the better able you are to pay attention to who you're talking to or in a classroom with 30 people and mm -hmm. be able to scan and be aware because that's that social awareness and then the social management. How do you manage those various pieces? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think communication is just, it's, it's at the top and it's one of the reasons why we focus on communication in our company with what we do with our clients and, and I mean, you've known me for so long and you know that's almost always been a piece that, yep. that I've had as, you know, whatever role I was in or whatever, um, whatever particular rendition my, my business was in at the time, communication has almost always been at the foundation. I have known that about you. That's why I like you so much. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such a core piece for me. It is my main driver my main inspiration.
in anything I do. Um, funny little story, and it is a little story. Um, I have a very analytical side. I have to. I teach technology. Um, and so, and I have a very emotional side. That's my predominant side, definitely my emotional side. Uh, before, you know, the catchphrase and the buzzword and the current culture went that way. I was that way. Um, so I had an interesting discussion with, uh, with a guy, uh, a colleague in another, another realm of my life, let's say, and uh, he was very analytical, very analytical, very logical. This is how we make all, all our decisions kind of person. And I remember our communications broke off after I said to him, um, I operate from the intelligence of the heart my intuition. I said, my intuition's in the driver's seat. Well, his reaction besides cutting off correspondence with me was fear, in my opinion. This was so foreign to this person that he did not trust himself to operate in that way. And so I, I may be judgmental, but you know what went through my mind was depth Need a little depth here. <laughs> so that's just a little story to, you know, illustrate, I guess, where I'm, where I'm at. Yes. And communication, like you said, you, you've taught communication. Um, that's, tell us a little bit more about what you're, you know, where people can find you and, mm -hmm. and what, when they go there, what they will find when they get there. Because that communication piece is key for you as well. It is. It is absolutely. Well, I, I suppose if I was in a nutshell to say what I can help people with, and I won't give you a laundry list of it, um, I can help people tweak their messages, refine, refine their messages. And they can find me at a place called successfulmessages.com. And my email address is really simple. It's rob at successfulmessages.com. Um, so, so that's where I, I hang my shingle, so to speak. I, you know, I'm also all over the place in social media. Uh, LinkedIn is another place where folks can find me. Instagram, Facebook, you know, the list is long. But that's my site. And uh, I can help people refine or complete uh, their messages, especially if they're struggling. And not everybody's a wordsmith, you know. And uh, I always wanted to be one. And it finally happened, at least according to some. Some of my clients think I'm actually this person. So, so yeah. I grew up and became that recently. Well, welcome. Well, you know, welcome to the grown-up world, right? I'm, yeah. Sometimes there's, I, I feel like I'm the same way. I've, I've finally grown up and figured out what it is they want to do, at least for now. Yeah. What, as far as the, the messages that, that you help your clients craft, what are what would you say your specialties as far as what types of messages? Cause I'm sure that people listening, that would be their question too. Like what, what kinds of messages are we talking about? So I can handle ghostwriting. Uh, I can handle uh, blog content, whether formal business-like or informal. I'm very, very comfortable with that. And I can handle web content and I understand the differences required to say the same thing on in all those different ways. So I guess blog content, web content, copywriting. I like it, um, but a lot of people don't. 
absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they're 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 afraid of that. Well, some people are just they 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 hate writing. I mean, we you and I have heard that from, from oh, yeah. you know people for years. Mm-hmm. But it's it's there's a little bit of that putting the stake in the ground, right? Saying this is what I stand for. This is what I do. And uh, from a marketing perspective, because that's a big part of my background as well, is you can't just say, you know, in our company, we help people thrive or, you know, we help companies thrive. Well, what does that mean? And what does that look like? You have to be more specific. You can't, you know, that doesn't tell me anything. And so getting people, we're going, we're, we're coming a little bit full circle around to that be more direct, state what it is that you really mean uh what what you need and um i think that's just key when one last thing because i know uh, yeah i think you're right i think there's gonna have to be a part two to this because great we've gone a lot of places and we could just keep going so at some point we gotta we got to um we gotta conclude this um and of course now i've I've lost my thought a little bit oh it's that idea of expectations um, this came up in a, in a meeting that I was in earlier this week where someone said something about expectations and, and that they had certain expectations and they weren't met. And I come down on that as then those expectations weren't clear. And it goes back to the communication being direct. If I expect ABC and you don't do it and I'm upset because you didn't do it, well, did I communicate it? And part of that communication is the receiving end. I could say, I want ABC, but if you don't hear it or you don't understand, or you don't, either nuances and my A looks a little different from your A, then have I communicated it? I've spoken it, but if you didn't receive the meaning that I meant, was it communicated? Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, Because I think most, sorry, I rephrase that. I think a lot of people have it in their minds that communication is a monologue. It's like, really? You know, uh, you have a responsibility as a receiver. And I know that's part of what you were just saying. I have a responsibility to make things as clear as possible. Um, And, you know, I, I, I know it sounds rude, but if I don't meet your expectations, you need to tell me more about your expectations. Exactly. And that's, um, there is a, somebody, there's a colleague that said expectations are premeditated resentments. And I don't agree. I think hmm. um, uncommunicated or unclear expectations could be premeditated resentments. And we could go back, now I really am going to bring it back to full circle. We could go back okay. to the act of listening, mm-hmm. right? As, as a component of great communication. And I'd say there's active listening, there's active talking, there's active back and forth. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I say, here are my ABC expectations, Rob, and you say, I'm hearing this, but I don't think I understand. Dawn, I don't think I get exactly what you mean by B. Can you say more about that? And, and it could also be my responsibility to say, ABC is what I want. And then to say, Rob, can you feed back to me mm-hmm. what it is you think I want just to make sure we're on the same page? 
So there, I like, I love that idea of the, the responsibility on both ends. You know, you're in a conversation, your communication, you are communicating, you're in the middle of a communication and both parties have responsibilities. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. Love it. So thank you for, for saying that. All right. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? Only that I greatly appreciate this opportunity. Um, I've been uh, watching you from afar uh, grow and evolve, and I'm very happy to have had this opportunity. Well, thank you. And it's been a delight having you on the podcast. And for those of you listening, remember, you can find Rob at SuccessfulMessages.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to him directly. Rob, um, I'm sure we'll be doing this again because there's, there's more that, that we can touch upon. Um, and also like to hear from you listening if there are, are places that you'd like um, me to go, if you'd like to, you know, other interviewees or other topics you'd like me to touch upon, happy to do that as well. So thank you all for listening. And until next time, may you thrive.